Welcome to the I Think You're Wrong podcast. My name is Jake Lichtel. And I'm Sebastian Waldron. Today, we're talking about our religious and spiritual backgrounds and upbringings. Jake, welcome. Welcome, Seb. So, let's dive right in. Um, I think I think the idea of, of today's episode is we want to give the listeners a little bit of an idea of where we're coming from, right? So we're, so we're doing a podcast on faith, spirituality, religion, um, and, you know, talking about how, uh, how it relates to all other topics and, and disciplines and um, issues in, in, in our modern world. And I think in order to, um, for, for our listeners to really understand uh, where we're coming from, it'll be helpful um, to understand our backgrounds. We always ask our guests what our backgrounds are. So, so Jake and I were talking and, and decided to, to give you guys a little bit of that for ourselves. So. Yeah, so this is just a little bit of our backstory and how we got to where we are and um, how you know faith has changed and, and over time and how that's been shaped by our many different experiences and how we reconstructed some of those uh, beliefs. So, so Jake, I'll I'll uh, I'll have you go first. Why don't you just just tell us about your religious background and upbringing? Yeah. So I uh, I grew up in and out of the church, um, kind of an evangelical background. Um, I wouldn't say I was a Christian up until I was seventeen. I graduated high school a year early. Um, and so I was out of high school, so I consider myself an adult convert. But uh, like I said, I had this—I had a religious background as far as uh, my parents are both Christians. We went in and out of churches, a lot of evangelical, kind of Calvary Chapel-style church. Um, you know, base, your baseline evangelical beliefs. And I didn't like church. I thought it was boring. <laughs> um, I... You know, I just never was interested, but I was looking for God in a lot of those places. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I don't think I would have been able to articulate that as a 16, 17-year-old kid. Um, but I definitely had some experiences moving that direction. And so when I, when I came to Christian faith, it was actually via an experience um, of the divine, of the transcendent. And uh, that's, what, that's what brought me to Christian faith. And ultimately, that's, I think, led me to uh, the charismatic and Pentecostal church. Okay. And after your conversion, how did that lead to your undergraduate career yeah. and getting you to uh, pursuing a master's sure. of divinity at Duke? Yeah, it, it's a it's a long story, but a long story short, um, I had a you know so I had this experience where I uh, I was at a church camp and I didn't believe in God and I was I would probably call myself an agnostic at that point or maybe someone that was spiritually seeking. And I had this moment in worship. Um, they were playing How He Loves Us, John Mark McMillan, a classic evangelical song. And I, I just had this recognition that God was real. Um, it wasn't something I didn't like make us do a prayer, didn't have an altar call, none of that. I just had this encounter with the Lord, and I knew God was real, and at least in my own experience as a 17-year-old guy. That's what I understood. And what ultimately cascaded after that was... Um, I went to a semester of Bible college to try to figure out what Christianity was about. I only went a semester. Kind of learned a lot about faith and the tradition and and, uh, scripture and, you know, really kind of backtracking around that. Did an internship at my church 
I felt the call to ministry pretty early on, about six months after I uh, I became a Christian, um, and so I thought that meant uh, being, you know, a clergy person. Uh, you're 18, you don't know any better, like, I don't have any pastors in my immediate family at least, and that wasn't something that was like an avenue. And so uh, I ended up doing an internship at my church, I did two years there, I got some units that ultimately transferred to my undergrad, which was at Life Pacific College. And so at that point, I thought I was going to be, wanted to be a pastor. I did a biblical studies undergrad degree. Um, right around my sophomore year, I, I recognized I don't actually want to be a pastor. I want to be a professor. I want to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, had some professors that called that out of me. And, uh, you know, so went through a long journey. And I'm, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but had a deconstruction period where I tore apart all of my beliefs. Um, ultimately to reconstruct that and end up here at Duke, uh, Duke University studying a Master's of Divinity. And um, it's been a long journey. It's about eight or nine years that I've been on this journey with uh, Christian faith. So it's been a really interesting winding path that I, I couldn't have told you when I was 18. This is yeah. where I'll end up. Yeah. How about you, Seb? You, you grew up in the, uh, in the Northeast. In the Northeast, um, I grew up Northeast Catholic, so yeah, I guess I'll begin at the beginning. I mean, my <laughs> at the beginning, my spiritual journey, you know, I would say pretty much starts from when I was a real young child. Um, I was never baptized as an infant, uh, but my my both sets of my grandparents were very Catholic. Um, aunts and uncles were very Catholic. One of my uncles actually uh, was <clears throat> in ministry for a long time. He was studying to be a Franciscan priest and eventually left the church, but or, or uh, left seminary. But um, he's still active in in his church mm-hmm. today. So I've had a very uh, rich Catholic upbringing in that respect. Both my parents are not particularly um, what I would call at least active or devout Catholics. They were raised Catholic, but like I said, they chose not to baptize me as an infant. They did, however, uh, send me to Catholic school (laughs) when I was five years old. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through fifth grade. Okay. St. Bernard School in Saranac Lake, New York. And here, um, you know, I, I, I learned really, even though my family was, was, was Catholic, I really learned the story of sure. Jesus and what it meant to be a Jesus follower. And I bought in, I, you know, more than a lot of my friends. I think it was more because of the communal part Absolutely. And also because they were, they were, you know, going to church every Sunday, going to mass every Sunday with their family. I wasn't necessarily all the time, so I think it was special for me to hear these stories. I, I you know, I remember um, loving, you know, hearing the gospel stories, and um, you know, religion class was was a part of the day I really enjoyed. So, um. I actually chose to be baptized at the age of nine oh, wow. when I was in fourth grade, and I was officially baptized in, into the Catholic Church. Again, 
mainly, you know, I was nine years old. It was because of community. I wanted to be an altar server and be able to receive communion communion, uh, with my friends when we went to mass during school and everything like that. Um, And I I really enjoyed my, you know, a lot of people have Catholic school horror stories. Um, I really enjoyed my time in Catholic school. So as I kind of grew older, I, I became a, a typical teenager and started questioning uh, what I believed. And, you know, the Catholic Church is great um, in, in so many respects, but it also has so many flaws. We, we, we won't really get into that yet, at least. <laughs> Did you go through confirmation then? No, so, so here's kind of where it gets interesting. I, <laughs> because I have parents who aren't, you know, overtly Catholic. Um, I I stopped really going. Um, I still always had an interest and fascination in a relationship with God, what God was, what religion was in the world. Um, I really have been interested in interfaith dialogue from a young age. But I left the Catholic Church um, because I thought it had more... I thought it did more harm than good. I, okay. I, you know, I went through a phase as a teenager where I thought organized religion really did more harm uh, of than course. good, right? We all do. So I, I was now, and I was never, you know, it wasn't anything that was, that was forced on me. So I, so I was never confirmed into the okay. Catholic church. I went off to college. I thought I wanted to be a journalist. Um, and, I, I, I found myself not really enjoying those classes, or at least they just they just simply weren't for me. Um, not that they weren't good or the professors weren't good, but um, I, I quickly found out that, that that wasn't exactly, you know, at least studying journalism wasn't something I wanted to do. And my second year in undergrad, I took a class called World Religions. It was through the philosophy department. My school didn't have... Um, a religion department. But here we, we studied all the world religions. We read the Bhagavad Gita. We read uh, Karan Armstrong's uh, Life of Muhammad. Um, the book that really changed my life, though, was um, John Dominic Rasson. I don't know if you've heard of, heard of him. No. He's, a, he's, a, he's a scholar um, in history of religions and, and his book on the historical Jesus. Okay. Oh, the historical Jesus question. Really changed my life. So... <laughs> You know, and, and and it was there that I kind of, in a weird way, I had friends who were Catholic at the time, and they read that book, and they, you know, kind of changed their their mind, or at least it forced them to to confront really hard questions. Um, but I actually really enjoyed everything everything Croissant said, and I kind of came back to religion. Because everything he said about Jesus, the man, was what I realized I loved Absolutely. in the first place when I was a child in, in elementary school. You know, it was it was it was Jesus. Uh, you know, in in one section he talks about you know the healing of of the leper, right? And and it's 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 really how there's a difference between healing and curing. Okay. So Jesus healed him by spending time with him, by loving him, by touching him. But he didn't literally cure him. Okay, so he's reading it more as a metaphor for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. relationship. And, and to me, that was, that was beautiful. And that's at the heart of what religion is, and that's at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. So, so I 
kind of, I, you know, I, I, I still wasn't really act, an active Catholic or an active Christian, but I became increasingly interested in what it meant to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, and just what it meant to be a religious person in the 21st century. Yeah, you know, it seems like um, faith and religion and these questions have really been a defining defining part of your life, I mean, from an yeah. early age. Yeah, it's something I've always thought about. And from a young age, I've just always felt a relationship with, you know, what I would call God, something, something, something um, indescribable, ineffable, bigger than, than me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I never really knew how to describe that, and I, and I was never sure if I really fit um, into any box of, of religion, right? Uh, but I think all the world's religions have something um, so amazing to, to, you know, they're, they're obviously dangerous, but they have, they have such, um, they, they, they tell the story of us, really. Of, of humanity. Yeah, I mean, I'd, so. I'd, I'd affirm the fact that what religion has done in almost every human society is it's telling us how, what it means to be human. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's asking these questions that... Yeah, it, it asks the big questions. It asks right? the big questions and it, it attempts to answer them, depending on what... It doesn't, what, really, but... Well... Depends on what you, what you think about religion think. and... and yeah. uh, I, mean, I mean, I think the, the Christianity answers some of those big questions. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ambiguity and I think there's room for... Um, doubt and uncertainty. I think uncertainty is something that, at least in my faith tradition of coming from a charismatic, um, Pentecostal um, faith formation as, as a young adult, um, uncertainty and doubt weren't something that was seen as a faithful practice. It was really mm-hmm. about, if you've ever experienced some of the more extreme ends of charismania or charismatic expression, it sometimes can get unhealthy, and it, it's more hmm. about faith. And do you believe? Can you like? Do you, you just have to unwaveringly believe, and God will do it. And you know, it's all this. So I, I, I just saw the Book of Mormon this this weekend. <laughs> actually, <laughs> just believe. Just blindly you know? believe. <laughs> uh, but but no, I, I actually think that that number has a lot to say. It's not just Mormonism. It's it's sometimes that's that's the way all religions tend to be, and that's problematic, right? And I have nothing wrong with the leap of faith, although I did it at first, you know, Kierkegaard's leap of faith. Uh, um, and at first that actually, I think in an early iter- earlier iteration, if I would have heard that maybe when I was 18 to like 22, mm-hmm. I would have said absolutely, like, I actually probably would have said, no, God is absolutely real because I have this experience, and it mm-hmm. was grounded in something that... I uh, I just took I, I took the supernatural as something that was just evidently real, um, and that the supernatural wasn't something that was distant or far off or for some bygone age, but that God was actively involved in the world. And some of those beliefs about the supernatural, and I mean, I think when you're 18, 19, 20, you're looking for something to give yourself to. This is yeah. why we're you have political activism, you have religious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fervor, you know, you're, you're zealous. Yeah. And uh, I became zealous for... And angry sometimes, too. Sometimes right? you're angry <laughs> and because you feel misunderstood and all that all that type of stuff. Yeah. And I was totally there yeah. in some ways. And all oh, the institutional church doesn't know what it's doing. And mm-hmm. I thought I knew everything, of course, and I was yeah, wrong. I, I love the quote... Um, I don't know who said it, but I'm not young enough to know everything. Right? That's good. So that's a really good quote. <laughs> yeah. I think that describes a lot of... A lot of those early years. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, so let's talk about a, a little more the belief in God that, that we both have and kind of tease out what that means to each of us. Sure. Do you want to go first? What you think the, uh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, like, like I was saying, um, we're going to get heretical here pretty, pretty fast, but it's okay to be a heretic. So, so, you know, like I was saying, I've always had this belief and, and in something more, this, this feeling, this, you know, ineffable experience. Um, but I've never, you know, it, it's hard to put that it's ineffable, right? So it's, so it's <laughs> <laughs> hard to give language. How do you for describe it? the indescribable, right? And to me, that's, that's what God is. And I can remember really wanting to be a part of a religious community, to really want to believe in God. And, but I, I struggled and I, I, I still do. I'm still, um, not entirely sure, you know, I'm at divinity school. I'm still wrestling with what I do believe. And to me, I do know this though, that I, I feel a connection to a a presence that's, that's, that's bigger than me (laughs) that I can't really define. And, you know, I can, I can, I can remember, you know, studying philosophy and, you know, we took courses in world religions and, and atheism. And I can remember having conversations with my, with my friends and, and, and professors talking about how I believe in God, but I'm not sure you can get there logically, uh-huh. you know, which is, which is not a very Catholic thing to say. But, no, but, 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 but Aquinas but I, would disagree. Right, Aquinas would disagree. But, but I, don't think, I don't think that's how you get to God, right? Okay. To me, I get there... Um, through the heart, not not the head, as as corny as that might sound, but <laughs> and so, but I can remember, you know, f- friends who maybe may even be listening to this, <laughs> they'll know, they'll laugh, you know, kind of saying like, if if you if your God doesn't have properties, if if you don't have a way to describe what God is, then why do you believe in God? It's a great question. Right. And it's a great question. And it's one that stumped me for a really long time. And then I ended up, uh, one of my favorite religious scholars, his name is Reza Aslan. I, I ended up, um, after reading one of his books, just watching some of his, his lectures online. You know how you, you talk about online rabbit holes all the time, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I was on one of those. And I came across a, a short clip at the end of a lecture he gave um, when, when someone asked him, he's a religious scholar, he was giving a talk on the historical Jesus, but someone asked him, do you believe in God? Are you a religious person? And, um, you know, he jokingly walked off the stage and <laughs> but but then you know he his answer changed my life okay. actually and 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 he said I do believe in God um he he considers himself a muslim um he was a christian um growing up and he 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 jokes that he has a uh, 
uh, he had an emotional conversion to Christianity and an intellectual conversion to, to Islam. But, that's fascinating. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. But, but anyway, he said, as a religious scholar, when you study the world's religions, they all are essentially saying the same thing. In, in a, I mean, maybe you think he's wrong. Yeah, but, I, I would disagree but, with that. Right, but right, I understand and and a lot of people would, but that, that's what he says, right? So, so you don't take any one of them particularly seriously at face value. No, none of them are particularly true, right? Okay. But if you do believe in something else, something more then that's an experience that, like I was saying, how do you describe the indescribable? You describe it with a language, mm-hmm. right? And that's how he described religion. It's quite literally a language. And he, he meant that literally. Like, he gave an example of saying, you know, if he was standing up there speaking, you know, French to a group of, of Americans who, who mostly speak English, he might as well not be saying anything at all, right? So, so, so if you go into... If you go into a Catholic church and start reading from the Bhagavad Gita, no one's really going to relate, right? But if sure. you go into a Catholic church and, and, and start reading from, you know, Matthew, people are going to have a connection. And, 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 that's, and so he said, if you, if you believe in God, if you have this, this ineffable feeling, then pick a religion that, that works. Islam works for him. And, and he ended the talk by by quoting the Buddha and saying <laughs> and saying in order to get to water you don't dig um, six one foot wells you dig one six foot well and so line. Islam is his six foot well you know Christianity might be your six foot well but we're all drinking the same water right sure and that's so so that so w- when I just came across that I finally had an idea. Of I finally felt free to be a religious person, sure. and not believe it to be, um, you know, empirically verifiably true. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think something you're touching on is is something we talked about a few weeks ago of religion being the grammar we use to talk about the divine or transcendence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that type of language of you know, you gave the example of speaking a different language to a group of people, you might as well not be saying anything. I think that idea of religion being a grammar that we use then to articulate these ineffable um, experiences and yearnings, I think that every human heart has. Um, even even if you're an atheist, you're you're still yearning for something greater. Right. And your greater might be the fact that the universe is meaningless and we're all, it's 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 all going to come but to an end. At some point. But you're still asking yourself. But you're still asking these questions, right? right? Yeah. I mean, these questions are inherently human. They're inherently questions of religion. They're religious questions. Um, and I would disagree with Reza's uh, analysis that it's mm-hmm. six, one six foot well. Yeah, I think I a mean, lot of people would. I think you know. I think there are good good arguments why all the religious religions can't be true. Mm-hmm. You know, personally, I think the particulars of a religious faith are important. And that's why I think you know if you're going to be a Christian, there are certain there are certain dogmas. If maybe in the Catholic Church you call them dogmas, yeah. doctrinal statements that you do have to assent to. Absolutely. Um, but so I think. What, so what are the, go ahead and then I'll well, just, I was I'll just follow. I was just going to say that, but I, I think for most people, and I don't care who you are, 
you're compelled by the person of Jesus in the gospel stories, whether or not you believe in any, you believe he was the son of God. Mm-hmm. There's something incredibly deep about the gospel narratives yeah. that I think we can all relate to. I think it's the most beautiful story the world's ever seen. I'd have know, to agree with it's you. ever been told. So, what does it mean then um, to say you're a Christian? So, so for my, in my understanding of what it means to be a Christian, I think it's someone who is a follower of Jesus, and, and that's, mm. that means you're a disciple. Um, you know, Jesus had disciples. Can you believe in, can, can you call yourself a Christian and not believe in the bodily resurrection or the virgin birth? So I think, for me, the bodily resurrection, it's such an important linchpin of Christianity. You know, Paul makes this argument, I believe it's in Corinthians, um, that essentially, like, if there was no resurrection, we're all wasting our time. Mm. My paraphrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to agree with them because, quite honestly, if, if Jesus didn't get out of the tomb, for me, I might as well be an atheist or an agnostic. I think there's something spiritual that you can find and construct meaning in other places, if mm-hmm. that's the case. Mm-hmm. But if, if he didn't get out of the grave, there is no means or hope for my salvation at the end of the day. And I don't mm-hmm. think actually salvation is primarily about going to heaven. So, so what, is, what is salvation? Well, I, I think salvation, at least in the context that I'm thinking of it in, is the participation in new creation. And what I mean by that is when Jesus, I believe when he rose from the dead mm-hmm. on the third day, he inaugurated the kingdom of God. You know, he was preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist is heralding people, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus comes out of the tomb, there's an inauguration of the kingdom of, of heaven. He hangs out with his disciples for 40 days. He then ascends into heaven, and they're like, when should we expect the kingdom? Right before he leaves. And he goes, it's not, it's not for you to know the time or the hour. And then Pentecost happens. You know, mm-hmm. They're praying in the upper room. And so I hold the belief that the kingdom of God was inaugurated by Jesus after the resurrection. And so as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, we are actually participants in the new creation reality that he has inaugurated, which is the kingdom of God. Um, this, this ties into what I believe about the end times or eschatology, that I, a, lot of, a lot of evangelicals have this belief that, oh, you know, this world is just going to hell in a handbasket. Like God's going to come back. Revelation. It's going to mm-hmm. be bombs, and everyone's mm-hmm. going to die. The whole thing, right? We're going to get raptured out of here. And you know, throughout history, every time period is every time. You look period, around, yeah. and it's chaos, and, and revelations. Oh, coming yeah, in. yeah. Jesus is definitely <laughs> coming back tomorrow. Nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. Eighty reasons why. Um, but you know, so every generation thinks it's them. Um, yeah. But I, that that type of theology actually is really detrimental. Um, consequences. And so what I believe about new creation and participation in salvation is that as we participate in what Jesus inaugurated, because he's not, he's not coming back to destroy this earth. He's coming back to make his kingdom in this earth. So when we, when we do an act of good in the earth, I believe that's in creation care. The kingdom of heaven. I think that's, uh, that's actually a, par- a participatory moment in new creation. Mm-hmm. That's why I think environmentalism is important. Like as a Christian, sure. like I believe that it's, it's actually a very Christian activity mm-hmm. to care for our planet. Of course, yeah. Um, and so some of these things, they're all wrapped up in what I believe about salvation. What I believe, I don't think it's individual only. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. corporate. I think God is saving all things and reconciling all things back to himself. 
um, into that original image. Mm. You know, there's the whole Adam and Eve story. I don't think it's literal. Uh, I think it's more of a metaphor for how we got into the state. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think we can. This might be an interesting segue, but yeah, um, coming from a Pentecostal charismatic background, um, that's somewhat fundamentalist. I mean, I believe in evolution. Like, I think we evolved. Like, I believe in, you know, that we're the universe is billions of years old and mm-hmm. like we, we, you know, we evolved from lower primates and about a hundred thousand years ago or, yeah. you know, this whole thing. And, and so I believe, I believe in that. I believe in science. Um, I believe in evidence, mm-hmm. but I also believe in this really so, crazy thing that well, Jesus and, got and, out of the grave. And so that's, that's part just something you just said there. And I know this isn't, this isn't, this isn't a jab at you. No, go for it. Even though I think you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the fact that you even have to say in 2019, I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal Christian, but I do believe in science. There, there's something wrong. Well, it's a hang-up hang from fundamentalism. On, right? Right, that, that, that's a hang-up from the culture wars and a lot of these types of things. Mm-hmm. But I know, you know, so kind of speaking from maybe what might seem contradictory. You know, my faith journey ultimately, I think, went to a head right around when I was 22, 23. Mm -hmm. And I began questioning and asking questions specifically about Pentecostalism, um, whether or not it was true, and did a lot of research and started deconstructing. A lot of Christians, a lot of progressive Christians have gone through a deconstruction. And so Mm -hmm. I went on my own little deconstruction journey. And Mm -hmm. within about a six to eight month period, I got to the point where I wasn't sure if Jesus was the son of God or, you know, if he got out of the grave and didn't believe in hell and all these different things. Mm -hmm. Because I I was attempting to rationalize and I really like the Enlightenment. And so I really think the Enlightenment project is beneficial. And so I, I ended up with a deist conception. Yeah. I became an agnostic in, Bible, in biblical studies major. Like, it mm-hmm. was weird. I don't think that's that uncommon, though, is it? I think it was uncommon, at least where I was at. Okay. Um, at least I was open about it when I was there. Yeah. Um, what ultimately, what that led to, though, was I came to the fundamental conclusion that, hey, rationally, Christianity doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but I can't deny the experiences I've had with the divine mm. and the particulars that are connected to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So then that, you know, raises the question if, if I was a Muslim at that point and I connected those things to an Islamic faith grammar, yeah, would I be a, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. If you had grown up in a, in a different a, society a, a, somewhere a, a else, a country that, you know, was majority, you know, Muslim, uh, yeah. would you have had the same, connection to the divine yeah. and the language would have would have been I, I don't think Quran. I personally don't think so mm. I, I've had these you know I've had these different experiences and you know within the charismatic church the prophetic and all these different types of stuff and so it ultimately led me back to faith because I, I, I left my faith behind for a rational understanding of the universe mm-hmm. and what ultimately led me back was I couldn't deny all the things that I'd seen you know I, I've prayed for people and I've seen I, I do believe Jesus healed people literally. Right. Um, I've seen literal healings, and there was a there was a moment. Um, Mike McArgue, who's a the liturgist podcast and uh, science Mike, he talked about a framework, essentially a scaffolding, when you're trying to hold on to belief. Mm-hmm. And he basically gave ten at least statements. So, like for instance, uh, you know, prayer is at least something we do. 
um, that's beneficial for brain health. But and then mm-hmm. if that's all it is, it's still good. But it's at least that at the base level, and right. it could be more. Right. And so that helped me scaffold back up a faith journey. And, and now I'm, you know, I'm in divinity school. I, I came back to an understanding of my Pentecostal heritage, believing in the experiences of God and all of that. But I still have this contradictory mode within myself that is doubt, has a lot of doubt and uncertainty, believes that, you know, we should tear away certainty in a lot of areas. I think that mystery is actually really important to the religious experience. I think so too. I I find a lot of comfort in, in mystery, I think. And I think that's, that's a part of, of my faith. So, I mean, I think we can, we can benefit a lot from, from what you're saying. Yeah. So as a, as a way of maybe wrapping up, yeah, Seb, I want to ask, how has your time at Divinity School, we just finished up our first year here mm. at Duke, how has this last year shaped the way you think about God, think about faith, maybe yeah. rediscovering your own tradition? How has that happened for you? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think I went through my own spiritual journey before, you know, like, like I've described, but, you know, I spent time last year, for example, working with kids and, and I, and I found, you know, really, and still to this day, I find, you know, I, I found, I found Christ in, in those kids <laughs> far more than I've, I've ever found him in a church. Yeah, man, the little ones, Jesus was all about it. And right. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I find, I find Christ, I find God out in the world. Okay. Right. And I I think, you know, without going into too much detail because we don't have too much time, what I've really found this year is that there is so much diversity within Christianity and and in other religious circles, you know, we've taken religious studies classes here too. Um, and I think that's just a really good thing because we're all questioning, we're all learning from each other. Mm-hmm. And I came to Duke um, because, you know, like I said, I'm a Northeast, uh, you know, philosophy major <laughs> who, who grew up as a Catholic and is, is questioning. Yeah. Is questioning the truth. Um, and, I'm, and I'm here to explore but not just academically, I'm here to explore with other people. And I, I, I want to, one thing I set out to do and the reason I came to the South, uh, to a particularly Christian divinity school, was to kind of show, and, and, and one of the reasons I, I, I'm really happy we're doing this podcast, Jake, is to, is to show people who are secular and religious that both sides have something to offer each other and that you know there, there's people I have friends up north from from the liberal arts college I went to who just you know don't think anything good can come from religion mm-hmm. and I think one of the one of the amazing parts of being on this podcast with you and also being able to have guests on here um, that are, are are religious figures future future Christian leaders mm-hmm. future religious leaders um, being able to, to, to show the world what they're doing, right? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. I think it's we come from very different contexts. We do. You know, you're you're a Northeast Catholic. I'm a West Coast Southern California and, Pentecostal, and that's part. Of, not to cut you off again, but but that's part of just to give perspective. That here is is one of the major differences that we have, right? In in our in our kind of philosophies on on life is mm-hmm. is um, we each think the other's wrong about uh, about our 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 own tradition, right? Yeah, what 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 Christianity is. What I think Christianity we, is. We have we have very different definitions of what that is. We we definitely have different definitions, but I think what we agree on at least, you know, I know this is I think you're wrong, but I think what we agree on is that ultimately it's about following Jesus. Mhm. And and this is 100%. Yeah. I mean, kind of as as my final word to this, I think everyone's on a journey with Jesus. I I don't think any whether or not you know it, whether or not you believe in his divinity or his historical value. I think everyone is on a journey with him and where that leads, you know, only he knows. And I think that's, that's how we participate in. I think we're going to get to heaven because I believe in heaven. Um, and we're going to be really surprised at who we see and who we don't see. Hmm. So I, I think it's, it's an interesting, interesting time to be alive. And you know, I'm glad we have this opportunity to, to discuss these differences, but also have to see some of those commonalities and sure. and how those things can, uh, I think, benefit the wider wider religious community. Yeah, yeah. This has been a great discussion. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for listening to today's episode of I Think You're Wrong. If you would like to contribute to the conversation, follow us on Facebook or Instagram at I Think You're Wrong Pod.